This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Toe Pop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, and we're in the same room. Yeah, you can I just, I just took a, like an old man, like, <sighs> you know that noise you make when you sit down these days? Yeah, well, mine's more a groan, Yeah, but I understand what you mean. Like, you've made the satisfied sort of, like, oh, my body... <sighs> Oh, well, because normally we didn't realize how much of an effort it is just to stand up <laughs> these days. Well, normally oh. we're, we have to sit at it like I have to sit at my desk because yes. we do this down the line. But we're in your comfortable office. I'm laid out on your couch. I've got some cushions behind me. I feel very relaxed. Yeah, I've got to be honest with you. We're both uh, pretty tired. Yes. And uh, I'm also in a comfortable chair. Yeah. And there might be a chance that sometime during this podcast, we just both nod off. Yeah. <laughs> we just, there may be 40 minutes of snoring yeah. in the middle of the podcast. You need those Homer Simpson glasses that just look like your eyes are open. <laughs> well, you know what? It might be good because I do say some people do listen to the podcast that go to sleep. Mm. So it might actually be really handy for them if, um, you know, like, you know, they, they get 20 minutes in and we're all asleep. It might be like a sleep meditation. I've been listening to a few. I read an article about um, this very popular YouTube channel uh, where a guy just uh, talks about his day in the most boring, monotone way. And it's become this really popular site because people use it like white noise to go to mm. sleep to. And I've started experimenting. Now, hang on. Did that guy, has this guy put this channel together for that reason? Or is this a guy who thinks that his life is interesting and compelling and people are just bored to him, bored, people just keep falling asleep around him when he's telling his stories? I think it is a bone of contention. You know, like the story of The Room, how The Room, that guy made that movie expecting to win an Academy Award. And then when it was embraced as this hilarious joke of a film, he then pivoted and was like, yes, of course, like... <laughs> That's what I meant the, That's whole what I meant the whole time. I think this dude might be the same. It's he was doing these kind of diaries. But it made me realize <laughs> it's an interesting moment, isn't it? Yeah. When you're <laughs> the like, thing that you've created. Hey, you know what? People have podcasts and stuff. I've got a YouTube channel. I think I could just tell people about my day and that'd be a good way for me to share my ideas and my thoughts and maybe get them out there and see if other people will respond to them. And then suddenly you're getting amazing numbers because people are falling asleep listening to you and you're like, is this good news or bad news? Well, what would happen, like, your career, where you've been doing comedy for almost 30 years now, what would happen... <laughs> I mean, you've rounded up a little. Oh, isn't it 25? 25, yeah. Well, 30, 25. Is that I mean, you're wishing my life away. <laughs> 25 is nearly 30. Years. That's five comedy festivals. You could have made bank. <laughs> All right, it's five will pun names, five nervous breakdowns. You've cut out a lot of my life, Charlie. So what if you get to year 30 and yeah. you're still getting good numbers to your shows and you're still doing festivals and stuff, but... What's happening is 15 minutes into your show, your one-hour show, 
the entire audience is falling asleep. But they're coming out of the show going, holy shit, like I don't remember laughing that much, but I've never felt more rested. And word starts to spread that go see Will's show, you'll get the best like 45 minutes of sleep you'll ever have. Would you then pivot your career and go, well, the comedy worked well for a while. I mean, I did love making people laugh, but maybe this is my maybe I Maybe my real dream was to make people sleep. (laughs) So it was a great show like thousand people all asleep by eight minutes in <laughs> i killed tonight but the, okay so ask, yeah, answer me this because they say that you know 20 minutes of meditation is the same as four hours of sleep no. so it's <laughs> yeah do they yeah that's got not can't be true i meditate for 20 minutes each morning i don't feel like i've had an extra four hours sleep well well maybe if you stop meditating though you'd feel like you'd had four, four hours, hours less, less. Sleep. yeah okay so you know, you never know. Right. Much like everything in the wellness industry, Charlie, there's a lot of things that people say. They aren't necessarily true. Backed by fact. <laughs> backed by facts or science. But they are backed by marketing <laughs> and a capitalistic industry behind the wellness machine. Um, okay. But yeah, so say for example... Um, so just say in that time, you could get an accelerated dose of yes, relaxation. People are realising that yep. they're coming out of the show feeling... Better than I've ever ever felt. I'll give you... There was a Batman comic years ago where Batman got marooned on a desert island and he knew it was going to be a while before anyone showed up. So he went and he hid in a cave and he went into his Buddhist training, a, a sort of a restful alert state where he was still ready to leap into action, but it allowed his body to repair. So it's like that, right? It's like Batman's kind of, you know, Buddhist training where he gets his, he just gets so focused that his body goes into ultimate repair, but he's still alert. Yes, that right, state. yes, yeah, exactly. So do I have to, I've got a couple of questions. Yes. Do I have to keep doing the show that, yes. for the hour while they're yes. asleep? Yes, if you stop talking, like if everyone falls asleep and then you pull out your phone and start, they'll wake up. You have to keep with your, <laughs> your whatever your, estab- I mean, you, and I've seen your show quite a bit, you, you know, it's quite high energy and stuff. You yeah. have to maintain that, even though you're not getting the laughs or the response, you're not feed, you can't really feed off the audience. You have to maintain the same level of enthusiasm as if you had a thousand people like crying with laughter. Uh, it's okay. a Twilight Zone episode. We should call Jordan Peele. <laughs> so I think I would be okay with that. I think that, yeah, I think I'd be okay with that. I prob- how, how long would the adjustment be? So, okay, let's, let's start when it first happened. So let's say it's uh, five years from now. Yep. So 2023, yep. you do... Uh, I do the comedy festival yep. and I just discover. So we're, we're assuming at this stage, I don't know this is happening. Yeah, and I think during your trial shows, maybe 10 people are falling asleep in your trial show. <laughs> you do the gala and like just for your section, the entire audience falls asleep for five minutes. So well, you're no, getting little like, hints. I might not have noticed in the gala, right? Because it is only five minutes. And that's assuming that I'm putting them to sleep straight away. But like in your original scenario, I'm doing sort of like 10 or 15 minutes Mm. first and then until everybody nods off. And the gala is like a big gig. I'm not going to be able to put, like at this early stage in my career, maybe in another 10 years, I'll be able to put 3,000 people to sleep (laughs) in three minutes. But at this stage, when I'm just discovering my new powers, I imagine I could probably do the gala spot and not notice. So it's probably going to be first night of the show. Yeah. Um, preview night, media night, preview, preview night. Oh, let's right. not hope media night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's going to have some interesting reviews. <laughs> Just people getting to the end of the show with a blank notebook going, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I feel great. I feel like I should give it five stars, but <laughs> what did you talk about? 
Oh, I'll just write something about politics. He's yeah. always rambling on about politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman. <laughs> blah, blah, yeah, blah. yeah, yeah. Politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Climate change. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So your first preview, and I don't think it's everyone. So let's say a third of the audience nods off. Okay. And there would be a bit of, I imagine there'd be a bit of rumbling in the audience because people would be noticing that their partners and, you know, someone in their row was nodding off. So you'd have to acknowledge it, right? Because you're noticing as well. Well, I can tell you that I would definitely acknowledge it because it has happened to me before. Right. Someone has fallen asleep in my show before. It was your dad, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was doing a show at the Athenaeum Theatre in Melbourne and uh, there was a guy in the front row uh, and uh, he fell asleep during the show, and I definitely commented to the people that he was with about him being asleep in the front row. And of he my slept show. all through you talking about him. So or... it turns out I discovered from his daughters who he'd driven to the show that he'd worked like shift work and then taken them to the show, and like literally, you know, obviously just passed out <laughs> from exhaustion. Just in getting the front from row. the foyer to the seat with the last yeah. bit of energy. It's <laughs> like has. this is comfortable. I'm sitting down. Yeah. It's dark. I'm just gonna have a snooze. <laughs> And by the way, like to add some credence to your you know, kind of theory, I think he was very fine with that decision. Right. Like, you know, the best thing for him would have been one hour of uninterrupted sleep for my entire show. He would have been very happy with the $35 that he paid for the show, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, first night, yes, absolutely. I would be commenting upon it okay and i'd probably like afterwards have like a pretty serious discussion with my management stuff going was it too hot in there tonight like Mm. were people drinking heavily like have we got some pro like you'd investigate all the things like uh, is is the venue leaking gas from somewhere or like you know and like i would not immediately think that it is my comedy that is putting people to sleep and like before reviews and stuff like how do you in a previous show preview show gauge whether or not it went well or if there was an issue is it is there, I mean, traditionally, I would say just from the I would traditionally reaction. say, yeah, by laughter, the yeah. audience reaction. Um, but I would add in if a third of my audience had fallen asleep, I feel like that would shake my confidence a little. Well, I feel I, like I'd be like, how did the preview show go tonight? I go, well, a third of the audience fell asleep, so I'm going to say maybe not my best show. Well, what I'm wondering is because yeah, of course you can come away from that show going like, oh shit, like a third of them fell asleep, mm. but word somehow filters back to you maybe well that's what it's going to be it's going to be like twitter or facebook or whatever afterwards so i have these emergency meetings what the fuck went on tonight like third (laughs) of my audience like but i would like a 30 a 30 or comedy management panic room (laughs) but i would yeah i'd be calling my manager i'd be like going what the fuck's going on what's with this venue are the seats too comfortable what the fuck's happening like um, can we get spikes in the seats yeah (laughs) like you but honestly there would be a bit of can we keep it cooler in there tomorrow night? Wasn't, that, we wasn't that Dave Letterman's thing? He yeah. kept it under 10 degrees or something like exactly. that? Exactly. Keep the jokes fresh. Yeah. And and I think cool is good for comedy. Like So you literally would immediately go into the, this is an issue. <laughs> How can we fix this issue? But what you're suggesting is I have those panic meetings. Yeah. I have my little... Which is, yeah, that's the first two days right. after the show. No, but I'm saying this probably even happens within this right. first day, right? right? Okay. Is I have all these panic meetings. Yeah, we investigate leaks. We do all these sort of things, right? But then I get home and I notice that my phone has blown up with like people on Twitter and Facebook going, hey, I just wanted to say, because I think people would, if they did fall asleep during the show like that, I think there'd be a certain amount of them who would want to contact you. Oh, there'd be a or, hashtag. Or people who will. Snoozy Will. <laughs> What's the, 
And then, I'm just wondering, is there a wheel pun for sleeping? Um. Uh, oh, gee. Um, uh, we'll can't think of it. one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you know, so yes, there's a hashtag, there's a hashtag going. Just snoozy will. Hashtag snoozy will. And, but, and you start to get stories from probably immediate family and friends who were with the people who fell asleep first yeah. rather than the people who fell asleep. But then it starts to sort of trickle through going, hey, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. They fell asleep. But afterwards, they have never been in a better mood. Yeah. They were just raving about like 100%. how much they loved it. Someone went with their grandmother. Yep. She had more energy than she's ever had. She played two sets of tennis the next right. day. <laughs> she kept telling all her friends about the show she went and saw. She yep. doesn't remember it. She's but coming she back. Just amazing. Yeah, she's just bought another great. ticket yeah. for the weekend. Yeah. Because she, she doesn't mind either way. She'll either see the show again yeah. or have another sleep. The CWA sleep. have organised yeah. more busloads <laughs> to come opening night. Yeah, I get a big spike in my ticket sales yeah. immediately and I can't work out why, but it's from like sleep apnea clinics. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on. I think you've jumped the gun. That's poor storytelling. Like, don't burn the steps. You've already jumped to the kind of medical miracle. Let's just start off with the anecdotal evidence. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. So it probably takes... The first weekend, I normally start on a Wednesday and mm -hmm. I do through to the Sunday. So you got five shows. And that's sort of, you know, by the time it gets to the Sunday, you hope that the show is sort of up and running and, and where it needs to be and you've got a good read of the room and you've got three weeks left. So we're saying that a third of the audience a night have fallen asleep for each of those nights, um, including a media night. Well, well I, I reckon on the second night, we, I would think it was an issue. So even though I'm getting some positive feedback, I'd still be like, I don't want this though. Yeah. Like I'm glad that your grandma, you know, is playing tennis. I think again, I've, but I, I think I've, if you do this show for a month, I think over the course of the month, it's, it goes from a third to 100%. Because because it's a concentrated period of time of you doing the same one hour show. And because both like the snoozy will hashtag and people who genuinely, you know, it's going to see everything that you do. But those two audiences combined start like packing it out. So it sells out. It sells out after the, first, the last two weeks sell out. But, more and more people are falling asleep to the point by the last show you're getting a hundred percent snoozing audiences. Right. A snoozing or a snoozing ovation. Yeah. As I'm now referring to it as. No, I imagine that I would be fighting against it early on. So yeah, no, that's the thing. But the more you fight against it, the better people's sleep becomes. The louder the intro like you're, music yeah, is. Yeah, the, the, you're yelling. The more the microphone's turned yeah, up. You're literally screaming. You're doing some of your patented accents, yeah. like all that kind of stuff. You're even like dipping back into some like, you know, old glass house gear. Like you're trying to find some classics, but the harder you work, the better the sleep. Nothing you can do is going to bring them out. The only thing that brings them out is if you stop. And when you stop, it's like waking someone sleepwalking. They could have a yeah. <laughs> Again, not backed by medical evidence, but on this show. Um, <laughs> I feel like initially I would have a it would be hard for me. Of course. I feel like initially, before I embraced the business opportunity that it would later become, that I, I would have a difficult time with it. Okay, I, so I would think it was my own response. I would immediately check all the kind of environmental factors. And then once we ruled those out, I would assume that it was something about the show that I was doing that was sending people to sleep. So I reckon over the, the first couple of weeks, I would be constantly chopping and changing the material and whatever in the yeah. hope that... I could get rid of... I'd be trying to identify the routine that's sending most of the people to sleep. I'd probably drop that from the show. Yeah. But you're saying that regardless of what I drop, regardless of what I chop and change... Yeah, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Same result each time. And so I think, all right, so you've done that month and you're really rattled. 
because you're getting 100 pence sleeping houses. But... Well, see, I think, you know, when we talk about that idea of the story... Yeah. Um, I think that what I would do is after the first week, I would probably be so shaken by what was going on <laughs> that I would cance- cancel shows. Would you really? Week. Yeah. I'd be like, I just can't, I can't, I've, <laughs> can't I can't do this. I can't audience. handle it. But then I get a call from my manager and he says, you're never going to believe this, but the rest of your season is completely sold out. Well, I guess in between those moments though, or somewhere within this month, you, if you're up freaking out and losing, before you cancel the shows, I imagine, like you just say, the first time you break 80% of the audience is asleep. Like literally apart from like, a couple of rows, everyone's asleep and you freak out and you stop the show. Maybe you walk off, maybe you put your mic down or you turn to your stage manager or something and the audience wakes up, but it's a bad scene. Like they're all waking up, you know, like when you're waking up by like a a police siren or something, it's just that horrible waking up and someone starts crying, maybe (laughs) someone vomits or, you know, like it's a really disturbing scene. So you go back out there like, Will, you have to do something. So you go back out there and, so, and then you start talking again, calms the audience down and then they go back to sleep. Oh, so and, you- the, and the thing is, I, I guess this is because they do feel great after this sleep. We've already established, haven't we? Yeah. So I guess at the end, I'm probably getting amazing ovations. Yeah. So we've taken that out of the equation because I'm thinking that I'm not getting this Anything. response and I'd be devastated. But actually in this scenario that you've created they're loving it. They're feeling amazing. So I imagine at the end of the show, I'm getting ovations like I've never got before. Yeah. So this is where it's really like, cause I'm like, well, I have to go through all this, like, you know, snoozy time before I can get to the. And you must think they're fucking with you at some point as well. Like, especially early on when it's a yes. third of the audience, you're like, Dave Hughes has fucking set me up. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Dave Hughes is standing outside, handing out free drinks with Ro Hypnol in yeah. them to my audience. <laughs> Yeah, so I reckon you've gone through all those machinations of like freaking out and stuff, but you now realize what's got at the end of the, the run, you realize what's going on. Like people are loving your show, but they're asleep through it. And for you to stop halfway through is more disturbing. So it's almost better for you to, to keep to going. The all right, so you get to the end of your comedy festival run, you've got some tours booked in for later in the year. Your management come to you and say, well, look, people have heard about what happened in Melbourne. And we're already getting like pre-sales and stuff that we haven't even listed yet. Do you want to go ahead and do these shows? So they're selling better than I've sold? Yeah. Like unbelievable pre-sales. People are calling venues that you're not even playing at. (laughs) Demanding. Yeah. Um, uh, Mike Brabiglia, who's a a wonderful US comedian, had a Broadway show called Sleepwalk With Me, which Mm -hmm. was about his, uh, his, you know, sleepwalking. Um, maybe I could just do Sleep With Me. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a whole bunch of people. It's like a Broadway show, a big hit Broadway show. Um, I would want to know if it was just a Melbourne thing. Like my immediate curiosity would be, if I change the environment, Mm. will this change? Maybe there's just something going on in Victoria climatically or or something. I I, I probably would say I've got to go on the road and I've got to test this theory. Yeah. So you start testing it. Same reaction each time. Do you go through that? Have you learnt from Melbourne? Do you like get annoyed? Do you freak out? Do you stop the show halfway through? Or do you push on through? You know what's happening by now. The people having these great sleeps. But the dilemma for you is, I'm not doing comedy. Well, I am doing comedy. You are doing comedy, but the reaction. To asleep people. I mean, is it it that uh, question that like all artists ponder with, which is like, 
well, of course I'm making it for an audience, but really if the audience is not reacting the way I want them to, like, is that fault on me or should I just accept that people are going to accept my art for whatever it is? I can't control how people interpret my art. Well, absolutely. I say all the time that, you know, it's, it, people can get out of it whatever they want to get out of it. Mm. And as a consumer of art, like, you know, I certainly hold on to that idea that I can, you know, enjoy art in a way that is different to what the artist intended yeah. when the artist made that art. So... I mean, if you're in a band or a singer or something and someone comes up and says, my wife and I, or my partner and I make love to your song, yeah. like that's our song. You can't be freaked out by that. Well, I mean, if, if you're Peter Coombs, the kids entertainer. <laughs> if you're at a Wiggles gig, you can. Yeah. Okay. Context is everything. <laughs> She's my hot potato, you know what I'm saying? Um, I, okay, so when would science get involved? Like as in, well, I guess you're, you, can, you imagine that I'm, I'm at the comedy festival. Let's realistically play this out. People would know immediately. Like this is how the comedy festival oh, yeah. works. So after the first night, not just with social media, but just gossip around the festival, mm. there'd be people going, did you hear what happened at Pe the show tonight? And, and I reckon people would be buying tickets to watch people, like to see it. Like it would be, the, the reaction of the audience would become almost a show in itself. Right. There'd be like people sneaking in like, camera phones and shit on YouTube and well see that's probably how it gets out so quickly yeah is or is the fact that people go I've got to see this in real life but also I guess in that way of some people going in going yeah I'm going to film this I'm going to see these fuckers fall asleep and then falling asleep themselves and coming out feeling amazing and starting spreading the word you... I would what would you start to would you not start to think that you had some sort of power power right is, wouldn't that you, you suddenly think oh hang on this is I have some sort of like, you know, super I, magic I, power, superpower. Well, I would... Mutation. My first thing my first thing was like, maybe there's some kind of group hypnosis going on here. Maybe the combination of my words or the pattern of my speech, it's like auto-suggestion or... Because I've seen enough of those Darren Brown, right. you know, tapes where he seems to hypnotize a whole group of people. So I would think that you would just somehow you had stumbled into a hypnotic pattern of speech or, 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 or performance or something like that. So I think your first stop would be to speak to like a psychologist or yeah. hypnotist or... Well, a range of people. Yeah, range I, of people. I get a range of experts in. Yeah. So how soon do the experts come in, do you reckon, realistically? Well, I guess... It, I mean, How many it, shows do you reckon I would do before we called in the experts? Well, I think, I think it has to be a... Well, for to be not just a fluke, how many shows have you done at the end of the month? Like 28 shows or something? 20 like? shows, yeah. 20 shows. Is that enough? To be, it's not a coincidence by that stage. And it's not a coincidence after three. If there was three nights in a row where a third of my audience <laughs> fell asleep, you think I'm going to wait a month before I call a scientist? No, but I think there's things you have to check because you're right. Like the, you would start looking at environmental things. I would want to do background checks on the people who fell asleep. Mm. Maybe they've all been eating this, all had the same diet. Yeah. Do we accidentally send our show promos to some sort of narcolepsy <laughs> organizer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I think there's a lot of research that has to get done, but. I reckon by the end by the end of the show, by the end of the run, yeah, that first twenty shows. Then I'm before you start. Your It'd next be tour, well before that because you know if, if would if, it really yes get scientists in? Well, absolutely. I mean, I imagine like booking a scientist is like booking a handyman. Let's it's like, say, oh yeah, well, uh, we can book you in in two weeks between uh, we're just eight a.m. and we're just working on climate change yeah, at the moment. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get straight to your sleep problem in a second, mate. <laughs> no, because I reckon this: you do two previews. 
third of the audience falls asleep each night. So you, you're talking about 600 people who've fallen asleep over two nights, right? Yeah. So that's already enough that people are talking about it at work. They're posting about it online. And the attention of everybody's, like not everyone, but the comedy festival is kind of, you know, they're always looking for gossip and stuff in the newspapers to kind of do something quirky from, that would be immediately a story. You'd be on the project it like would, in the second week and and Waleed would be like, well, I hear that like a third yeah. of your audience are falling asleep. Well, I think what night. it would be, there'd be heaps of media um, speculation. Like a, a newspaper, a journalist would contact a doctor and say, what do you think this yeah. is? Like, do you remember there was that case of that family, I think they're called the Trumps, who um, they all fled their home and, and they don't know what happened and they didn't, they, they haven't actually sat down with a psychologist or, or a doctor or anything, but you know, various psychologists have commented on the article, the facts that they know. So that would probably be happening where you would have some kind of sleep expert or hypnotist or whatever commenting, but whether or not a, you've contacted them directly, I mean, would you be contacting them directly? I, I believe that we would be trying to get, well, at least I'd call Dr. Carl. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Got any, got any theories on this, Carl? Third of my audience are falling asleep at night. No, I think that... I guess I would get it, be getting friends to come into the show as well. Because yeah. you'd want to go... Just see what Could you happens. come in and yeah. see what happens? See if you can stay awake during the show. See if you can identify... <laughs> I love that. I just love it. You ask me to come in to keep an eye on the audience, tell me what's going on. Yeah. You turn around and I'm fucking fast asleep. <laughs> And then you try and wake me up and I freak out. Like, you've just I've been sleepwalking. I stab you or something. You have to call an ambulance because I'm hyperventilating. <laughs> because I think that eventually, if it got around that you had this capacity to do that, there would be some broader, you know, use. You'd, fi you'd film at least one show. You'd have a couple of cameras on the audience to see what's going on. Oh, like, at okay. what point they fall so asleep. So, here's a question. Yeah. Say... I uh, you know, did a Netflix special of this show, right? <laughs> Are we suggesting that people at home who watch the special would also fall asleep? Or is it a thing that only works to the people who are in the room there? I think, I think it's only for the people in the room. Because the question for me is where this started was like your career has pivoted. Mm. You've gone from being an entertainer who makes people laugh to being an, an entertainer who helps people sleep. Almost like a like a health guru of some kind. You're some, right. you're some kind of, I don't know, like Deepak Chopra. Not really, no enlightenment, but people just feel great when they come out of your performances. Well, yeah, it would be a sort of wellness thing. Wellness oh, that's thing. what we call it, wellness. 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 <laughs> Perfect. Sorry. We got, we got there in yeah. the end. Um, well, yeah, I mean, eventually wellness. I think you'd pivot. I think eventually you would go... Is wellness also what you call your penis? <laughs> so... Um, I, I reckon it's one of those things because if I've learned anything from the Jurassic Park movies, which is every time there's a new technology that comes along, it needs to be weaponized. If I, if it could be like, as in like, if, if people watched me on the TV and the same thing happened, you'd immediately get contacted by the government and yeah, stuff yeah, and yeah. they'd be trying so to use danger. you for, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And people also listening to your people on the radio, they're falling driving. asleep at the wheel and yeah. stuff. I don't think it's every time you open your mouth <laughs> fall asleep. Like, yeah, but if I'm trying to do like the radio show in the morning and trying to be funny or whatever. Yeah, but that's not 15 minutes of consistent. I think in my mind, this is the science. Okay. There's something about the pitch of your voice, your candence. Um, but it has to be uninterrupted. So uninterrupted. it's only when I'm doing solo stand-up. Yeah, not with like other, you know, people. But like this podcast, for instance, wouldn't put people to sleep or anything like that. Well, you know, theoretically, hopefully. 
Well, not in a good way. Not, a good <laughs> not way. in the positive way we've not, imagined. Not in the wheelness. Yeah, factor. exactly. Uh, yeah, it's got to be you. It's it's got to be a ten to fifteen minute build of you just doing what you do. Okay, and only to the people who are there in the room. Yes, and so I start to realize something that- about like. You know the the way it's recorded, the you know the file it doesn't translate, like yeah. it doesn't have the same frequency or whatever it is. Yeah, no, I like that. That's a much more clean. confined and clean yeah, scenario yeah. to work with. Look, if we turn this into a TV series, like we're talking about a feature film, yeah. like a, a ninety minute story, but if we like expand it to TV, then we can yeah we can open it up to. So that way, if, you know, you you you've, you become a healer of some kind. I guess that's what you really are, right? Mm. People are using you in a healing capacity rather than... But here's the catch, right? If just say, you, it's not like you can then write your next show and just talk, blah, 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 blah. You have to do the same amount of work you do now, trying to craft the perfect joke and link things and blah, 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 blah. It still requires the same amount of work and the same focus on trying to make someone laugh. Mm. But that is, the reaction is that they fall asleep. I mean, technically, for a majority of the audience, I could be repeating some material at the very <laughs> least, <laughs> you would think. I mean, the real question becomes, are you getting booked by comedy festivals from you know that point on? Well, if we're saying it's not 100% of the audience, because the thing this is, is where it's interesting. But it's Because if it's only, say, a third or a half or you, whatever of the audience... You've got to entertain the then ones. Then you've got to still entertain the ones and who also, are not asleep. And also, the first 10 to 15 minutes has to be entertaining. Yeah. Like, you can't just get up there and go, all right, we all know what's going to happen. Do a little so crowd just, work. Yeah, no. I'm just going to do some crowd work while you're still uh, still awake. Yeah. What's your name? What do you do? Oh, <laughs> that's when you finally agree to host the Logies. <laughs> you just come out and put the entire Logies to sleep. Pluck a duck's face down in his entree. Um, okay, so well, what you'd eventually do is, I, I imagine you'd raise raise the price because now it's got a, like a therapeutic sort of aspect. Are to you still it. doing comedy festivals though? Yeah, I think it, so. It's, I, yeah. I think at a festival you could get away with it. But you can do. I'm both. not sure that I, they're you could do both now. I guess you could do wellness festivals yeah. and comedy festivals. So. You, Basically doubling your audience. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think that I would do many comedy clubs and stuff. No. Like, it's the sort of thing you could get away as a festival act, but I don't think that you could do, like... But you could still do spots, because aren't they, like, 10 minutes when you do a spot? Be amazing if, like, instead of getting the red light, you know, to know that my spot was over, the first time I saw someone about to nod (laughs) off, I'd be like, that's (laughs) over my (laughs) blood! Let's wake up. Drool coming out. <laughs> um, if people were, yeah, I think that if people were walking away from the experience feeling better than when they came in, then I don't think that I would mind if if well, people if people felt like they got their value for money. Yeah, then I I feel like that I would be okay with the fact that a third of them were sleeping through it. Well, I think. Six months into it, right? So you've made that decision. You're yeah. like, all right, this is my new career now. I'm going to get booked in. I'll just boutique book it. You know, yeah. whatever fits the, the, the fits my audience now, that's what I'm going to do. So I won't be doing like comedy clubs or anything like that, but I'll do no, big festival I'll be doing shows Captain Snooze. In little spots. <laughs> just in stores. But then something miraculous happens. Okay. Where someone in a wheelchair comes to your show mm-hmm. and they fall asleep really early on. They get a full hour in. Yeah. So an extra 10 minutes on everyone else. And when they wake up, they can walk an hour of your comedy. So suddenly 
it now is a superpower. It was just a restful sleep, but then what they realized is, geez, 45 minutes gives you a great rested sleep. And right, because you've, for- seen, you've seen it up to that point. These, I start getting reports back from people going, I went to my doctor and he said that my blood pressure's never been yeah, better. Cholesterol's blah, blah, blah. melted away. You know, my, my psoriasis cleared up, whatever. You know, I'm starting yeah, to get I this anecdotal <laughs> for the first time in 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm only 26. <laughs> um, yes, that it has some sort of recuperative powers. Yeah. yeah. And then, oh, so how about this, Charlie? The better the show is. One night I do a show so good that the person in the wheelchair falls asleep immediately. And then at the end, when I'm getting a standing ovation, they, they stand, stand up, up also. Yes. And surprise themselves. Yeah. Like they just, they, they don't, they're all, they're standing before they even realize they're yeah, standing. Yeah. And it's a miracle. Yeah. So what's the difference there? Is it the length of time you do it or is it the quality of the show? I'm going to say the quality of the show. <laughs> So now the pressure's on me. Now the pressure's on. The, the funnier it is, the more healing that it is. Okay. So now though, you've got this, uh, you've got the Superman problem, yeah. which is now everyone's like crying out for help right. because they're like, that guy's been verified. He's been examined by doctors. They don't know how it happened. He's been, he was in a car accident when he was a teenager. 15 years later, now he can walk again. Never seen anything like it. But now you've got a bunch of people coming to your show who are, have got ailments that they're hoping that you can cure. And you've got no idea, you've got no idea what combination of words or what, was it a specific joke? Was it the length of time you spoke for? So now the pressure's really on. Um, do you then go back and analyze the show with a guy? Do you just do that show again? Exactly as? You must, that would be the safest bet, right? It worked once. Yeah, I think you would. Well, you know, this is when the scientists would bring you into that, They'd take you into the lab and this is when you start doing controlled experiments. They're going to be bringing in like a bunch of people with legitimate ailments. They'll have some um, control actors who are there with no ailments, but you don't know the difference. So, And then you've got to do your show. So you're in one of those rooms, audience of 30. It's like a two-way mirror. <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? Like bright fluorescent lights, the worst. I mean, I imagine you've done some shocking like corporate gigs in your life, but this is like the worst like, do you even do you play your music? Because you've got to do everything as if <laughs> it was last time. So, literally, you stand outside the room. I'm imagining we're, it's we're a room. We're in a tiny little lab it's, with it's a giant like, James Fosdyke backdrop. <laughs> it's a 30-square-foot room with a white wall room, fluorescent lights, and a two-way mirror with a bunch of scientists behind there. And you have to stand outside the room, and you play back in black. <laughs> I'm still going... And I'll fight you, and you just yell for Do my intro. Yeah, what's your thing about? I know him. I, I am. Fuck it, I am him. You know, and then you, and then you walk in. And I guess they're applauding because they know why they're there. So yeah. the ones who can applaud are applauding. Yeah. And you come in and then you start your show. Now tell me what's going through your mind when you're doing this first show to this group of people. I mean, if I one day discovered that I had some sort of. I mean, the weight of that responsibility would be the first thing that I, like immediately occurs to me. That like, I wouldn't, I'd be terrified. If like, if, if somebody was healed by the power of my comedy, <laughs> I would be terrified about that. That's not something that I got into this business thinking was going to be part of my career progression. I thought I might get on the radio, maybe get on the TV, do a couple of galas, do a festival. Never thought I'd get a person in a wheelchair to be able to walk again. It wasn't one of my aims when I sat down to come up with my little riddles. 
So I think the weight of it initially would be overwhelming. I'd be mm. like, it must be a coincidence. It must be a prank. All these sort of things. But at least but I first... would want the science. I would yeah. want. I, I would happily. I would happily have the study done on me. All right. So they've said to you, we're going to have to do two weeks, five days yeah. a week of bringing in different groups, real patients, control yeah. patients, and then at the end we'll have enough data. Yeah. So I reckon those sh- it goes like it normally does when you do it in a theatre. And there's a couple of other people who are, you're getting various degrees of recovery from long-term or chronic injury. You know, maybe someone gets a bit more sight in their eyes, clears up some, you know, um, cataracts or something like that. You know, maybe there's some other psychological effects, someone who suffered from depression or anxiety, Mm. you know, maybe they've seen an improvement. So you're getting some hints, but not like a categorical. It wasn't your intro. It wasn't this specific joke. You've got to keep, doing it essentially we're talking about the idea that scientists have discovered that laughter is indeed the best medicine <laughs> that's that's when the scientists like they, they present their findings he just shuffles his papers and to conclude truly laughter is the best medicine his boss just looks at him you're fine that guy's not even a scientist pretty sure the janitor just put on a white coat You'll never catch me! <laughs> Just throws the papers in the air and runs out of the room. Suddenly you're like, I don't know that I trust this, this scientist. They just allowed a janitor to come in and present his findings. I mean, technically, that is the plot to Goodwill Hunting. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, okay, so they do the studies and they discover that while I don't have a 100% success rate, that in general... There's much an, like an upswing. Well, much like well, at least the, the, much like every other aspect of the wellness industry, to a certain extent, some people have better results. Yeah, than and there's others. a causation or correlation, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think that the baseline is that everyone comes out of it rested. Like there is yeah. a, however they measure restfulness or whatever, maybe blood pressure or whatever it is. Yeah. There's a baseline of benefit there. Yeah. So it could be a bit like when people talk about hypnotism, because there's a lot of conjecture about the effectiveness of hypnotism. And there's a lot of people say, well, it's one of those things where if you decide it works for you, then it works for you. So maybe that's where it sits apart from the physiological effects. I mean, maybe, I mean, there are people who heal themselves you know, who recover from long-term injuries with no medical intervention, right? There are, there have to be like the exceptions to the rule. The exceptions are the rule. The exceptions to the rule are the thing that sell all the bullshit. Yeah. You know, literally any time where you're like, you know, this person drank apple cider vinegar every day and cured their cancer or whatever. Like someone has got better and Mm. attributed it, it, well, to that, I watched. There's uh, been a miracle of some kind. You know, there, whether there, there was some pseudoscience uh, documentary on Netflix that I, I saw the other day, which is essentially the secret, but for health. Yeah. And it's like this guy talked about having been in a car accident, being told he was never going to walk again, and while he was recovering, he said he would just spend, you know, a concerted amount of time visualizing the injury to his spine and rebuilding each vertebrae. Uh, over six weeks and so he would start at like 10 minutes and then build until he was doing like an hour of concentrated my back's healing my back's healing my back's healing and lo and behold he can walk again and he's released like five books or whatever yeah i was watching it going hmm <laughs> going hmm well there was it's funny it's one of those uh, it was one of those junk science documentaries where everyone they interviewed their title their job mm didn't sound like there was one that was literally like auto engineering wizard 
audio, audio frequency wizard or something because this guy, he believes that playing certain frequencies and vibrations for your body can heal you. Well, I imagine there are a whole bunch of things in our society that we still do not understand and that we are all, you know, the... They say that you know, obviously, the placebo effect is very important. That, no, I mean, they, that's something they, they've they discovered in this documentary previously, right? Yeah, is that for some people, the very nature of the fact that you think you're taking the medicine can be helpful, mm. but that doesn't mean that everybody, if you just give everybody a placebo and tell them it's real medicine, it works for them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like when they say, you know, drink this diet shake in conjunction with a healthy diet. There'd certainly be people, if my comedy was putting people to sleep, there'd be cynics. There'd be doubters, right? <laughs> the vitriol with which you spat that out in this completely hypothetical situation, you've already endured the slings and the arrows. <laughs> like, I bet a couple of names came to mind then. Like, you, I could just see it behind your eyes then. And you said critics, there was some real hurt. Some real hurt. 25 years in comedy has given you some scars, Anderson. Well, no, I, you just know that whenever anything like that would happen, there'd be some sort of, you know, even just like in a Mythbuster style, yeah. some people who wanted to come along to the show and prove that you could stay awake during the show. <laughs> I love that. Right? Yeah. So there'd be people like drinking Red Bull before the show yeah. and like, you know, yeah. you know, like taking caffeine tablets and stuff in an effort to like, you know, prove that it was all like a hoax. Or yeah, and I'm like. sure that, and like hypnotism, I'm sure there's people who go who could do that. Impervious. Like, they're, they're, well, no, but they've gone there in the frame of mind that I'm not going to yeah. buy into this. It's not like... I don't think it's a magical power. I just slept for 12 hours right up until this gig. Yeah. Wake me up just before the show. I've just done a yeah. line of coke. Yeah. This fat. Yeah, wake me up. Give me a line of cocaine. And can and I shove me into that audience? And before you do that, let me tell you about myself. Yeah. I'm amazing. <laughs> but I imagine like if someone goes there with a concerted belief that they're not going to be into it, then sure, that's not going to happen. But... People are, at least initially, people are coming to see a show because they like you and they and they wanted to laugh and stuff. So they were conditioned. They were primed for that to happen. And so that, they're the people who are coming to the show. So you can have... Is there a correlation of any kind between... Because this would be interesting, although it might not be the case, um, between how much they're enjoying it and how rested they are? Or is it just like it's a random, it just works better on some people than other people, do you think? Yeah, I think it's... I think it's generally all good feedback but definitely for some people it's better than others in the same way that like but if you were someone who hated my comedy mm, but loved, loved to sleep would you be able to come along and have like mm, a sleep wouldn't that be interesting well i guess they've got to put up with the first 15 minutes don't they? <laughs> and you can't get there late yeah <laughs> it doesn't work no in fact we don't let late comers in if you're not there by the start of it, we lock the doors. I think so. Like, I don't think they have to be a fan of yours because, you know, there's stuff that you don't... I'm just trying to think of, like, something that I don't like, but there's the benefit will show once I get through it. I don't know. Maybe, like, some movie with an actor or an actress that you're not particularly fond of, but, you know, if you can just get... Like, I just watched The Meg on the way down and I was like, can't wait to see Ruby Rose get eaten. <laughs> I was so waiting for her to get eaten by a shark. Didn't see it. I only got to see the first hour of the film. I'm hoping she got chomped in the last half hour. I mean, I don't know, but I imagine so, right? Well, I don't. It's a surprisingly bloodless film for a shark movie. Like, I thought the whole point of, you know, monster movies is to watch the monster, you know, chomp its way. But I'm an hour into this film, and like, only like a couple of people have died. I was hoping to see more chomping. Um, uh, 
I watched a movie the other day um, that just actually reminds me a bit of the scenario we're talking about, which is called Death Day. Uh, Have you seen is that or the Happy Blum, Death Day? The Blum, is that like the Groundhog Day? Yeah, it's Groundhog Day of like, but this yeah. Yeah, the, I'm aware of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, well, it, it it is literally Groundhog Day, but like a horror film sort of thing. And the funniest thing about it is the final scene of the movie where they like there's they that there's a real spoil it? no no, no oh. where there's just a real self because you've watched this thing the whole time going. <laughs> Hang on, is this just fucking Groundhog Day? <laughs> They've ripped off fucking Groundhog Day. This is like you literally the whole time going. Hang on, this is not just going to be. And I just watched Russian Doll, which is a bit Groundhog Day it's, itself, which is a really cool series on Netflix. But I was like, is everything Groundhog Day now? Yeah. And I think that like initially this scenario would be a little Groundhog Day. Yeah. You know, in that you'd you've got to find out. What- you'd find out. You know, you do it a different way every day to kind of work out. Yeah, what wasn't yeah wasn't wasn't working. But in the final scene of this movie, where they've ripped off Groundhog Day, they do this thing of like, oh, you've never seen Groundhog Day? It's this cool movie from the blah blah blah. And I'm like, that's not enough. <laughs> yeah. It's not enough just to acknowledge. To acknowledge. <laughs> like, I can't remake The Godfather and then just at the end go, what? You've never seen The Godfather? Well, at the end of Fast and the Furious, they didn't say, hey, you know a surf film you would really like? Point Break. Yeah. <laughs> it's about a cop who goes undercover and then falls in with a gang that he's meant to be investigating. Imagine if every film did that. That was like a direct ripoff. <laughs> anyway, he's been dead the whole time. You ever seen that movie, <laughs> The Sixth Sense? You mean, you mean like the sixth? You mean like the guy in The Sixth Sense? Yeah, 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 like that. Yeah, I think if the, if this if this was a movie, the journey for you would be would be realizing that you're that you have to let go of who you thought you were. You'd been defined by your work for 25 years and that was to make people laugh and that you're actually bringing greater benefit to people by being a healer, even though that means subjugating or subverting yeah, what that you're I, doing. That my to. shows aren't going the, the way that I've traditionally... Yeah. Like, you, you know, for so long, you had married laughter yeah. to your success as a comedian. Mm. Whereas now, <laughs> Z. snoring is what I really... Jeez, some good snorers in tonight. Because that's the other thing we haven't really considered as well is that people would snore. Not everybody sleeps yeah, it's good silently. Point. So that's going to be... <laughs> that's amazing because you're doing your show to basically a silent theatre yeah. except for some random like yeah. snoring no, <laughs> happening. No, there's, no, 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 there's some people laughing because there's still some people oh, awake. Some still awake. Some people snoring <laughs> and some people sleeping quietly. But I imagine there's got to be a show where you get 100% of them asleep yeah. and you're up there you're only life. 25, yeah. you're 25 minutes, <laughs> you've still got another 35 to go and you all you can hear is just snoring coming from different parts of the oh, theater. No, that'd be a-, a couple of people talking in their sleep, laughing, oh, yeah. giggling, babbling. Jam, biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> I don't put it out of the surface. No, <laughs> you're fucking... <laughs> I swear I didn't put it ah! in there. <laughs> just that leg twitch when you think you're falling off a cliff, just as you're falling asleep. People would fart. People would draw. So farty. Oh god. Oh, it'd be a mess. People leaning on each other as well. Well, that's it too, because like you know, people. Like slump. Yeah, they're going to slump. Well, you see it in the hypnotist shows, like people like lean way forward and all that kind of stuff. Do you think hypnotists would start would start getting like threatened by this? How do you think? Well, well I mean... I reckon the skeptic society is going to pay you a visit for sure. Well, the skeptics are the first stop. But the thing is that I 
And I, this would be one of those occasions where I would welcome the skeptics because I myself am a skeptic mm. to a certain extent, at least, right? I my first. This is not a power you want, anyway. My, like, how is this gaining you anything? That well, would, I think, I mean, eventually, yeah. But, like once you get a handle, but when on people, it, when the critics, yeah. your your hated critics, start <laughs> like uh, like. You're saying, why would I want this? Like, I'm not enjoying this. Why would? Yeah. Why do you think that I need this kind of publicity yeah. for my show? Yeah. I don't want to be known as the comedian who puts people to sleep. Yeah, like I got this. a terrible chortle review, but I got a great snortle review. <laughs> <laughs> like in a year's time or when you've decided to embrace it, for sure. But I imagine that first six months to a year is very frustrating and painful for you. And like every interview you do, they're going to be asking you about it. Like yeah. what's up with the sleep? And then you'll do a talk show or something and they'll ask you, to try and put me to sleep and you become like this performing monkey. <laughs> I was like, well, it's only a live experience. No, I keep it to a live experience. I'd be fine with that. Like, cause I, I wouldn't want it to be something that I did everywhere else anyway. So it has to be one of those things where, you know, you come and we have this like thing that we all do together and it's, and it's the show. Like your merch should change. Less t-shirts and more neck pillows. <laughs> You know, like <laughs> the airport ones. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, um, I think that eventually you'd lean into it. Eventually yeah. you'd kind of just go, well, you know, people are digging this. I'm selling a lot of tickets. I'm paying my bills. Um, and you've basically created. You've it's created a hook. A, it's something new. You've created its own, your own. No one else is doing No one's it. doing that. Yeah. Like you've created your own industry. You, I mean, you've got a monopoly on the yeah. public sleeping. Right. Yeah, that com- that comedy slash sleep slash healer demographic is really yours, got to myself. And yours Take alone. that, Adam Hills. <laughs> Adam Hills comes to see your show. Yeah, grows another He's leg. Grows- <laughs> not sorry, not grows another leg. That'd be weird. <laughs> Third leg. Well, that's so. That if you're going to follow sort of movie story tropes, yeah, right? Yeah. Eventually, it doesn't always go as well, right? Because mm-hmm. eventually, if you get to the point where people are starting to get... Well, this is where the shady the shady government... can at the, In the second act, this is where the, either the shady government guys come in and want to turn you into a weapon. <laughs> or that's when you find out that there's actually a downside to this. Yeah. I mean, I always thought the downside was your own personal torment of... Mm. I basically have to do the same amount of work, have to go out there, have yeah. to write jokes and maintain yeah. focus of... Comedy a- is very hard to do in a vacuum. Like, right. you know, yeah, a, with a, no lot reaction. Of, a lot of the idea of how, like I always talk about comedy as being like, a, you know, a conversation. Like the audience are a genuine part of the performance in stand-up comedy and you certainly ride the waves of their energy and stuff. So yes, it would be much harder to do the show if the majority of my audience was asleep. Have you ever seen, there were these two comics, uh, two college humor guys who uh, they had a video series for a while called Prank Wars, where they, you might have seen one where one of the guys um, uh, got blindfolded and did a free throw at a basketball game and his oh, mate had. And they all pretended that, that it had gone in. Yeah. Yes, so I have seen that. It's a continuation of one of those pranks where, um, so it's the reverse. The other guy, uh, he his mate was going to be doing a spot at a comedy room. And so he talked to the audience and said, when he comes out, no reaction for the next five minutes, do not smile don't laugh you can cough if you want but just give him absolutely nothing and so they film it and like it's excruciating his mate gets up there and from the the moment he hits the stage first joke nothing 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 he starts you seem like at first oh i I see what's going on here and he tries to engage but then after a a couple of minutes nothing then you see the panic well that's the thing even though because he would uh, he understands his 
involved in this sort of thing. It's probably a prank, you know. Um, he doesn't though. But the point being, oh. it wouldn't matter. Yeah, right. Like even like even if I know this is what's happening now, if I still have to perform at it's the level hard. that I'm meant to perform for this thing to happen, yeah, yeah it would be extremely difficult. Yeah. Because, you know, jokes are just sentences if no one's laughing at them. Well, as an actor, the hardest thing to do is audition because it's not acting. Right. Like, you know when you're on set working with another actor or on stage or whatever, there's an energy, the dynamic, you know, it, it's more natural. But the weird thing is to get that job, you have to go into one of those like sterile rooms that we we're just talking about with a person who's not really that interested in what you're doing with a video camera, who's blankly reading lines back to you. And you still have to deliver with the same amount of energy and verve as if you're working with a great actor and it's fucking soul destroying. <laughs> like it's really, really hard. So you're doing that every night to a thousand people. <laughs> But I feel like I would have to. If people were getting a benefit from it, I would feel like I had some responsibility to keep What's your job? But I would also charge more. Yes. I feel like I would charge more than just for a regular comedy show because that's how I'd be paying my bills now. And there'd be some downsides to it. There'd be a lot of media attention and stuff. The minute you start healing people, yeah. A, the scientists are going to come after you, the skeptics Pete are going to come after you. Pete Evans calls you up, he wants to write a cookbook. Right. But you do. Suddenly there'd be this whole world of other wellness where they'd be trying to kind of recruit you into their world. And then there'd be the backlash from like the doctors and, and the medical of- experts, the religious people. Imagine I heal someone, the fucking like how the Catholic church and shit like that are going to come after you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and also there'd be a bunch of dudes who like con men who are going to try and get on the app yes. and start doing their own. And they're, you know, they are, they are using drugs. Or oh, yes. To to Suddenly, yes. There's other, but you, they're drugging their audience. Yeah, and so that would, so one of those guys would get oh, exposed. Like some yeah. guy's doing comedy in Queensland or something. I don't yeah. know Queensland. Yeah. But yeah, South Australia. Yeah. Makes more sense. He does a show, but he drugs everyone and it comes mm. out. And everyone's like, well, that's clearly yeah. what's going on with Will. Yeah. And he's a, a, he's a bigger comedian. He has greater means. He could easily organize to have a thousand people drugged. Yeah. And you have to come out. You have to make a press release saying that you're not drugging people. What does that press release sound like? <laughs> what do you say? Um, no, I refuse to even comment. Justify no, that. that sound that seems so guilty. You got to say something. I think you have to be 100 percent honest and say that. Look, you don't know what's going on here. You're doing your best to find out. You're working with you know what I'd name all the scientific groups, and you'd name who you've been working with, and the fact that you are aware of what's going on. You know, um, the reaction you saw when you stopped the shows was worse than continuing the shows is why you're continuing to do it. People are finding some benefit from it. You know, you don't know um, what's going on, but you're determined to find out. And if that can make people happy on the way, then I'll oh, okay. So you. what if the downside is that like, you know, kind of a, what's the... Um, oh, fuck uh, flowers for Algernon? Oh, people no. get dumber. Oh yeah, okay. That wasn't what I was going <laughs> to okay. say, but that's uh, no. I was thinking more um, the the uh, a, a portrait of Dorian Gray yeah. style. Yeah, yeah. That the more the audience gets healed, the worse my body, oh, like yeah. the worse pain I'm in, and the more the audience sleeps, the less I sleep. Well, it's a bit like uh, the Prestige, right? Yeah, you are suffering for each one of these performances. Yeah, absolutely. You're losing sleep. Yeah. So I, but gradually, but I, enough that the more shows I do and the more powerful. You know, like the more the rested healing. people They're literally become. taking your vitality. Yeah. And that, yeah, that I suddenly, that I, I like am not it. sleeping and that I am in pain. Yeah. It's great. I think it's a really good movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm to say this. <laughs> we'll cast Jason Statham as the comedian. <laughs> All right. I'm going to tell some jokes right now. Yeah. I'll punch you in the face. <laughs> uh, how long have we done? 
54 minutes. All right, and we still <laughs> That's our review of the fire festival. <laughs> <laughs> we literally said... Two minutes before we hit record, we must talk about fire. We Festival. definitely have to talk about fire festival. We certainly shouldn't spend an entire hour speculating on what would happen if my comedy put people to sleep. Well, should we do a couple of letters? Yep, and then uh, we'll take a little break. And then, and then how are you feeling? Do you want to do a? Yeah, we'll do a. a I feel second. very rested, Charlie. <laughs> Uh, thank you to everyone who is uh, contributing to our Patreon and sending messages in. Uh, of course, the best uh, message we receive on Patreon each week gets a sticker pack. Oh, I thought you were going to say the best message we receive on Patreon is money. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could please message us with money, that would be Just great. Just send us some money. Now, look, we understand it's uh, post-Christmas, it's tight, but... Uh, Although we have sponsors, Patreon is the best way to support the show. It enables us to um, keep in people on the payroll like Mike Hal, like James Fosdyke. And we're heading back into the busy period for Tofop Enterprises because uh, Two Guys, One Couple will be coming back soon. You've been doing philosophies. You'll I've be been doing, doing a lot of philosophies. We're trying to do it weekly, uh, coming out on a Wednesday. And so far this year, uh, we've managed to uh, actually keep that schedule up. There's been some amazing episodes. There's one with... Uh, Cal Wilson that came out recently that uh, where she uh, tells a very emotional story at the end and I've been getting a lot of uh, feedback from people talking about uh, that they were crying on the train <laughs> or in traffic and stuff which is uh, um, it being very lovely though and uh, there is a couple of really fantastic episodes coming up um, Sarah Milliken who's one of the best comedians in the world she's um, a cracking episode with her and then a very, very special episode with Dan Sultan, uh, which I won't say too much more about at the moment, but I would say in the next yeah, two or three weeks, check that out for sure. So we're pumping out a lot of content, but uh, the more content we put out, that means more people we have to hire to help us uh, edit and release and do the artwork and stuff. So uh, help us out by going to Patreon and uh, send us a message and you can win a sticker pack. I, I posted a video on Patreon and on the Facebook page just showing people uh, what they could win. Because we call it a sticker pack. It's a sheet of stickers. Yeah, uh, I think sticker pack sounds more impressive. It um, does. But I reckon the actual sticker sheet is impressive enough in itself. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's limited edition. I keep yep. forgetting to write the number. Because um, uh, when Sean put the sheets together, he put like a little, you know, with collectibles, it's like old. Yep. So it's old 50. And I how, wrote, how many have you sent out I so sent, far? I think I've sent out four. Well, all you do, so need to do is email those four people and just say, and get them write to write. The you write 50 50 on yours, and you write 49 and 50 on yours, and you write 48 and 50 on yours, and well, then we can just do it. I think I numbered on. the first two I sent out, but so the <laughs> last sounds, two. That sounds very Tofop style. Yes. A couple of them are numbered. I think I, I read, can't remember. I think the first one said one of 50, yeah. and the last one said 23 of 50, and then I two of them were blank. <laughs> Okay, Neville gets in contact. Hi, Charlie and Will. Speaking of songs becoming a bit creepy over time, episode 230, if you're reading this in the future, when's the last time you listened to the lyrics of Funky Cold Medina? Unfortunately, Tone Loke's greatest work has not dated well. Cosby overtones with a touch of transphobia. Michael, can you pop the lyrics in the chat window, please? <laughs> Too bad, Neville. Uh, Michael is not here. I can bring up the lyrics, though. Funky you can? Cold is Medina. that easy for you to do? Yeah. yeah I, I do remember, I would say that there was, uh, even at the time, I think I, I remember there being a bit of transphobia in Funky Cold Medina. And, but I didn't realise that Funky Cold Medina was a bit of, co that people might have been, yeah, the Funky Cold Loke Medina and been, Wild Thing, that's exactly the same song, right? I mean, they're not dissimilar. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Lyrics. Yep. All right, dig it. Yep. 
Cold cooling at a bar, and I'm looking for some action. But like Mick Jagger, Dick Jagger said, I can't, I can't get no satisfaction. The girls are all around, but none of them want to get, get with me. me. My threads are fresh, and I'm looking deaf. Yo, what's up with LOC? Yeah. The girls, the girls is all jocking at the other end of the bar, having drinks with some no-name chump when they know that I'm a star. So I got up and strolled over to the other side of the cantina. I asked the guy, why are you so fly? He said, funky cold Medina. <clears throat> <laughs> we won't do the whole bit. <laughs> this brother told me a secret on how to get more chicks. chicks? Oh, okay. I don't like this already. <laughs> now it does already. Put Vegemite on your dick. <laughs> is that the next line? He said, the secret is, my friend, I've got two dicks. <laughs> Put a little Medina in your glass yeah. and the girls will come real quick. Well, hang on. Well, that's okay. He's putting Medina in his own glass. What's Medina? Is it a drink? Well... Well, we don't know yet. I okay. think that, that's the point. But yeah. It's better than... Oh, okay. <laughs> He's about to explain. Okay. It's better than any alcohol or aphrodisiac. A couple of sips of this love potion and she'll be on your lap. So I gave some to my dog when he began to beg. Then he licked his bowl and he looked at me and did the wild thing on my leg. He used to scratch... I him. mean, okay. Look, in... I don't know where this is going to go, and I'm not here to defend Tone Loke. Yeah. But at least he's experimented it on his dog first. Like, you know, he's, like he's, he's, he's gone, well, I can't, I can't just do this to someone else or to myself immediately. I need to know what's going to happen. But it does seem like we're going in the direction of him drugging people against their will, and even drugging his dog against his will. He used to scratch and bite me before he was much, much meaner, mm-hmm. but now all the poodles run to my house for the... Funky called Medina. <clears throat> <clears throat> Okay, well, no, but again, that implies to me that the dog had the funky cold Medina and now all the poodles, the neighbourhood poodles, are attracted to the person who's taken the Medina rather than the Medina being some sort of... We're only halfway through the song, mate. I know, but I'm just (laughs) just saying so far at this point on the evidence we have, I think the fly guy had said, you put the Medina (laughs) in your own glass, right? Yeah, he said, uh, yeah. put a little Medina in your glass, the girls will come real come quick. Come real quick. Yeah, so it's so like he's not love saying, potion number nine. Yeah, you take exactly. it and you become... Yeah, so it's not like you're Irresistible. No. someone. I mean, you are. No, you're not. Well, aren't you? It's just like rubbing one of those pheromone wipes on you that you can get in the toilets at a service station. But it's station. still manipulating like the chemical makeup of a female to make her attracted to you. Like you're tricking her. You're overwhelming her, fer- her with pheromones or something. That's, is that doesn't seem... I mean, right? But is isn't every I mean, I human interaction but tricking someone into yeah, thinking something? Yeah. Like you're you're tricking them into liking you with your how much you work out or like your jokes or your personality. <laughs> like eventually, everything's a trick if you want to look at it like that. Uh, next week, you know what I'm saying? I got every dog in my neighbourhood breaking down my door. I got Spuds McKenzie, Alex from Stroh's. They won't leave my dog alone without Medina, pal. I, uh, I mean, it's, it's weird that he felt the need to name the dogs. <laughs> I went up to this girl. She said, hi, my name is Sheena. I thought she'd be good to go with a little funky, funky cold, cold Medina. Medina. She said, I'd like a drink. I said, um, okay, I'll go get it. Then a couple of sips, she cold, cold licked her lips, and I knew that she was with it. So I took her to my crib, and everything went well as planned. But when she got undressed, it was a big old mess. Sheena was a man. So I threw him out. I don't fool around with no Oscar Mayer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. I mean, it took a twist. <laughs> but to be sure that the girl is pure for the funky called Medina. All right. I mean, look, I, I look, think we can agree. That's, it's, that's, that's, we've, I been, mean, we've moved on. From, much like uh, the final scenes of Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, <laughs> there are things that in this day and age, 
we realise they're probably not, not appropriate comedic topics. You know, ain't no plans with a man. This is the 1980s and I'm down with the ladies, you know? Yeah. Well, guess what, Tone? Like, yeah. things are going to change. Yeah, exactly. The next 30 years. <laughs> in 1980s, you can be down with the ladies. Yeah. But i got to be honest with you, you're in for a culture shock, Tone. In the teens, you got to be fluid, brother. Break it down. Back in the saddle, looking for a little affection. I took a shot as a contestant on the Love Connection. The audience voted, and you know they picked a winner. I took my date to the Hilton for Medina and some dinner. She had a few drinks. I'm thinking soon what I'll be getting. And Stitch started talking about plans for our wedding. <laughs> oh, no, man. Fucking hell. <laughs> Sounds like a catch time, Luke. I said, wait, slow down, love. Not so fast. Says, I'll be seeing you. That's why I found you don't play around with a funky cold mint. Oh, see, so learn his lesson. Yeah. Because a woman wanted a, 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 a relationship maybe beyond the physical. Well, I mean, so Some far. Kind of commitment. So far, he took this funky cold medita. I mean, this is meant to be a song about the power of the funky cold medita. It's a disaster. But so far, <laughs> a transphobe has got himself in an awkward position and then he's met a woman who <laughs> wants to get married to him. I think that... Hasn't can, been we, a great can, success chart, story for the funky cold medita. We can chart the progression if we... Because the last line of every verse is about funky cold medita. So... I asked the guy, why you so fly? He said, funky cold Medina. So that's yeah. the sales pitch, right? Yeah. The, the fly guy. But there's no evidence. Tones just believe this fly guy that the secret's funky cold So then he gives it to his dog. Yeah. And he used to scratch and bite me before he's much, much yeah. meaner. But now the poodles run to my house for the funky cold Medina. So, yeah. so far, he said this guy's word for it yeah. and his own dog attracting all the poodles. But again, like on the, literally from what we were just talking about in this episode, this is all anecdotal evidence yeah. at the moment. Yeah, this totally. is all the guy thinking about healing his own spine. <laughs> yeah. Like, your dog humped your leg and isn't as mean as usual. It might be completely unrelated to the funky cold Medina. Yeah. And so then the next lyric is the Oscar Mayer wiener. Yeah. You must be sure the girl is pure for the funky cold Medina. Well. But again. Again. Like. Just might have met a you, I mean, trans lady who wanted to go home with him. Yeah. And clearly, where where were you? Like, I mean, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to take some responsibility. You can't just, like, assume that everyone knows what you want. Like you need right. to sort of like, isn't that what like consent is all about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, getting to know someone and work out what they like, what they don't like, where they're from, maybe get to know her a bit. That's, and that he proves it in the last verse where he just like has one dinner with a girl. She talks possibly about getting married yeah. and he freaks out. Yeah. You're going to keep getting confused. You're going to keep yourself into jams. Yeah, I think the issue is definitely with you, Tone. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> all right time for one more and then we'll go is that it is that the whole plot to funky Calvertina yeah. by the way it's a disaster <laughs> <laughs> an absolute disaster Nev um, uh, well actually we'll, we'll read one more then we'll, mm. we'll vote this is from Ash hey Tofop me and my friends have been stuck in a discussion recently that I believe is classic Tofop the question originally posed was what if Will put everyone to If an alternative dimension female version of you was to suddenly appear, oh. would you first of all have sex with them? And would that be considered masturbation? No. No. And do you think they would be the perfect match? <laughs> like we were both like, no. <laughs> Clearly not. Look, there's one thing I know a lot about. It's masturbation. Uh, would that be considered masturbation? And do you think they would be the perfect match for you, knowing all your wants and needs? Or would you only be able to see them for their flaws as they'd have the exact same flaws you notice about yourself? I'd love to hear you guys take on it. From Ash. Interesting oh, question. Oh, for me, absolutely not. No. Could, could not think of no. anything worse. I think like Jem is the almost the complete opposite of me in most things. 
And that's the way I like it. <laughs> like, well, I both of us are people whose partners do not care. Like us. <laughs> care for us. <laughs> what we do. Care for us and like, like what we do in any way. <laughs> Who only put up with us if we hide our true personality. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I remember Tony Martin had a joke. Uh, when Kate Moss and Johnny, uh, Johnny Depp were dating, I remember Tony Martin had a joke about like he thought that was the ultimate form of vanity is because they kind of look like each other. You know, there's sort of these two sort of gorgeous little people in their sort of fashion and it's like, oh, they're just making love to themselves. And I remember it st stuck with me because like, I don't want that. Like, no. I spend enough time with myself and I certainly don't want someone who has exactly the same interests. I want to expand my horizons. I've got very limited interests. I don't know anything about anything. Yeah, I'd be like, who's this? Oh. God, I can't stand the sound of her voice. <laughs> she's smoking pot all the time. She's working unusual hours. Oh, God. I can't do anything. The, the hips bulldogs. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like, won't stop talking about Marcus Bontempelli. <laughs> yeah, no, I would not be attracted to me in this. I would say that girl never shuts up. Yeah. <laughs> she never shuts up. She thinks she's so funny. She fucking cannot read. Like she try have you ever seen her trying to read? What if um, the female version of you I mean essentially we're just having a Ghostbusters reboot. <laughs> yeah, totally. But the female version of you and the female version of me end up doing a a, po a, a podcast, podcast together, together and it's more successful than <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna wrap it up there. Oh before we go. Um, by the time this episode comes out, which I think it's coming out this weekend, uh -huh. there will be a brand new web series on TOEFOP TV called Lessons for Life with Alan Mercedes. Okay, so firstly, Charlie, yes. uh, what is TOEFOP TV? TOEFOP TV is our YouTube channel. And look, we know we've been a bit slack with updating with content. We've been putting some stuff up there from time to time, but... We want, and the, we have plans. The aim and the want is to make is to do more regular stuff. Yes. And so I went out and just made this web series last year. I've got a couple of mates who are really good actors, and I and I just had this idea for this series. And so I went out and and wrote it and shot it, and it turned out really well. And, and what I, what is the idea of the series? It's a series of, funnily enough, self help videos. Oh. Alan Mercedes is a life coach guru whose own life is falling apart, and so through a series of self help videos, he gives all these tips of how to improve your life, but. Behind the scenes, his life is falling apart. And who plays Alan Mercedes? Richard Pyrus is an actor. That How people, would people know Richard Pyrus? If they've seen a film called Hacksaw Ridge, mm. um, Mel Gibson film called Hacksaw Ridge, or if they're uh, theatre goers, they're probably familiar w with him. He was a, uh, a what are the, part of the company, the STC, for a while. In fact, I believe he's on first name basis with Kate Blanchett. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I am too. Her name's Kate. <laughs> Does she know your name? I think uh, maybe. Yeah. Possibly. I remember I did see a play Richie was in once and uh, one with Kate Blanchett <clears throat> and we're having drinks after the show and I'd never met Kate Blanchett or seen her in, in person before and she entered the room and it was like she glided oh, on yeah. air. Like she looked like a, not like an, an, like an alien but. Is it more like a, an elf from Lord of the Rings? She was an elf in Lord of the Rings, she right? Was. You know, how they're meant to be exceptionally just, just beautiful. Otherworldly. Otherworldly. Like you talk about The Rock when you met The Rock and yeah. how he just glowed, Glow. gave off this energy. She was like that. Like she appeared taller than she was. Yeah. Her skin was flawless. Flawless. And it was like she defied gravity as she moved around the room and she wasn't attracting attention. She was just going around and saying hello to her friends. And I remember seeing her doing a voiceover in an office that I was, uh, we, that I shared with some voiceover so you you'd often run into um people in there i ran into russell crowe in there ran into hugo Weave. like that's it would be the place they go and do some adr like for films yeah. and so one day kate blanchett was in there and because it was just nighttime and you know they're just recording voice stuff 
she's not dressed up at all. Mm. She's literally in a pair of jeans and like a big floppy jumper like the sort of thing you wear like you know i'm I'm gonna get out of my tracksuit pants but i'm not gonna make make any more effort than that and she still looked like she was from another planet stunning stunning so kate blanchett is not in this web series but a guy who's done plays with her is (laughs) (laughs) i forgot we were talking about the web series i was just enjoying talking about kate blanchett uh, so yeah, the web series it's uh, it's going to be it, it's debuting uh, February eighteenth on Tofop TV. So the way you find that is to go to YouTube dot com forward slash c forward slash tofop tv one word or you can just google tofop tv and it'll take yeah. you straight there. So lessons for life with Alan Mercedes. So look, I worked out that if we can if I can get half our Tofop audience to watch it at least once, there's six episodes. Watch each episode at least once, then I'll be happy. That's all I need. I've worked out, I've looked at like successful web series in Australia. You don't need a lot of views and we have an audience. Yes. So I want you to watch it. It's funny. Trust me. Cam Knight's also in it. Cam Knight has done our live shows before. The two of them together are hilarious. It sort of came from my experience of doing some life coaching. I worked with this life coach once, um, did a couple of sessions, very uh, 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 fitting for today's discussion because she was all about visualization. And I think her job is working with people who maybe don't work in creative fields, but want to access creativity. But for someone who does work in a creative field, when I did these exercises, I was like, I feel like a dick. For instance, the first exercise she made me do was, and this is the first episode of the web series, is uh, she took me into a room that was covered, the tabletop was covered with all these toys and trinkets and stuff. And I had to select a number of toys and trinkets. And that was somehow relating to me. And then uh, we drew this big like map on a sheet of paper and I had to place these toys and trinkets around the map to sort of like visualize where I'd like to be in life. And, you know, this means money and this means career and this means family, this means this kind of stuff. It was a waste of time. (laughs) A waste of my time. I did, went back for a second session. It wasn't though, because you've turned it into a creative project. Well, so that's technically. true. Well, the funny thing was, uh, uh, the friend of mine who recommended this life coach, I completely forgotten that he'd recommended this life coach and I showed him the first episode and within the first minute of watching, he's like, oh, and he named the life coach. He's like, oh, that's, what's her name, isn't it? I was like, yeah, 100%. Um, well, that sounds uh, exciting and I have, uh, you know that I'm new to the sort of the world of watching things on YouTube, but now that I have like a TV where... It's as easy to watch YouTube YouTube as it is to watch Netflix or whatever. I'm now watching quite a lot of things on YouTube and I've discovered how many cool things there are on YouTube. Hey, my attention span, like even watching a half hour TV show seems long to me now. Like 12 to 15 minutes, like that's a good length. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean people can watch it all. You can binge watch it. Yeah, it's a five minute episode Share it around. It's all under one playlist. You can do it in one go. There's a trailer going around at the moment. If you listen to this before Monday, you can check out the trailer. It's on our Facebook page. It's on our Twitter. We've retweeted it, retweeted it a bunch of times. But it'd be really great if you're a fan of this show and you want to support us because we want to do more of this kind of yeah. stuff. But we're only going to do it if people, if watch, people it. watch it. Yeah. So and we'll watch do other it, videos share as well. It, you know, tell yeah, people like, about share, it. subscribe, all that kind yeah, of jazz. All the things. And we've got that a thousand do. subscribers to our YouTube channel. At the moment, do we really? That's pretty good. That considering is pretty we, good. Considering we never do anything. <laughs> is there a chance that some of them are just watching the videos we do have there and going to sleep? Well, it's funny because the Weekly Planet are massively successful, yes. and they've been saying this for a year. I watch a lot of um, Mr. Sunday movies uh, yeah. videos and stuff. They're pretty much They're my awesome. Go- they are pretty much my go-to on. I've got ten minutes, or I just want to watch something fun before bed, or whatever. I'll I'll go and see what his latest video is and watch that. Yeah, great yeah. show, The Weekly Planet. By the way, I know that you've uh, loved it forever, but uh, 
in the last couple of years when I've become a regular listener, it's quickly rocketed up to be one of the top handful of podcasts that I listen to and definitely one of those ones that I listen to on the day that it comes out every week. Uh, well, if you're interested, I'm going to be on the Weekly Planet this weekend. Oh, boo. Uh, ruining my favourite podcast. <laughs> Talking about that web series you don't want to watch. No, James and Nick uh, have invited me on this week to talk about TOEFOP and talk about the web series. And we're also going to talk about Battle Angel Alita, which I went and saw yesterday. Well, they've also been uh, big proponents of you playing what character? What character do they keep uh, talking about? Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle. Yeah. Basically because I have a beard. <laughs> well, don't get rid of that beard. I mean, how good would it be if you... If they started a campaign and they... And, and it happened. Has that ever successfully happened? Because from time to time you'll see an actor like actively oh. go out and say, I want to play blah, blah, blah. But has it ever happened? Because desperation reeks. Like I can't imagine any director who's gone, oh, you know what? Like... I didn't think Jake Gyllenhaal should play Mysterio, but until he like got on Twitter and campaigned for it. I bet there has been. I bet there's been times when... A campaigning for a role yeah, has campaigning worked. campaigning for a role as well. Because you only ever hear about it when it goes wrong, like when Sean Young dressed up like Catwoman <laughs> and stormed Warner Brothers Studios and scared the shit out of Michael Keaton and Tim Burton. They thought she had a gun on her. I think she did have a gun on her. That was a toy gun. Even though Catwoman doesn't carry a gun. Anyway. That's a that's topic for another episode. You have shows to promote. Uh, yes, I do. My new show, uh, hopefully not uh, sleep inducing, but you know, let's see. Come along, <laughs> see, see how it goes. Uh, it's called Will Informed. Uh, it debuts March eight at the Spiegel Tent uh, in Hobart. Um, one show only, and it's nearly sold out. So if you're in Hobart, I would buy a ticket very quickly to that. And uh, there was less than fifty last time I checked, and uh, left and. Uh, then Melbourne International Comedy Festival, 20 shows at the Comedy Theatre. Uh, <laughs> it is selling uh, quite well, but get, get in quick if you want to come and see my show. <laughs> it would be disconcerting. Yeah. <laughs> it would. Uh, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs> Uh, uh, we're back. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <shit>. We, we <laughs> forgot. We realised we forgot to award this week's uh, sticker pack. So it's either um, a Nev who uh, sent in the thing about Tone Loke or it is Ash who asked us if we'd fall in love with ourselves. I mean, they're both good. Uh, uh, what I would say is congratulations to you both for embracing the idea of bringing something that would make good content to the podcast. Both excellent ones, but I don't, I'm not sure that we can go past Tone Loke. No, we got enough material out of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like I can never really enjoy Funky Cold Medina again. <laughs> Luckily, there's an almost identical song called Wild Thing. I mean, that should be, they should do a new compilation album that's just called Problematic. It's can like you, every oh. pop song with like problematic lyrics. <laughs> Hey, uh, well, can you look up the lyrics to Wild Thing by um, right. uh, Tone Loke? Because I want to see if I can still enjoy uh, Wild, Wild Thing. Thing. Okay. Because if I have to get rid of both Funky Cold Medina and Wild Thing, then... Then you're deleting at least two songs off your Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he had a third, did he? Wild Thing, Tone Loke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, lyrics. <clears throat> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Work in all week, nine to five for my money. So when the weekend comes, I get to live with the honey. Uh, rolling down the street, I saw this girl and she was pumping. I winked my eye, she got into my ride and went to a club, was jumping. Introduced myself as Loke. She said, you're a liar. I said, I, I got it going on, baby doll. 
and I'm on fire. I took her to a hotel and she said, you're the king. I said, be my queen, if you know what I mean, and let us do the thing. <laughs> well, fucking real pillow talker. Shopping at the mall, looking for some great gear to buy. Heroin? I saw this girl. She cool rocked my world and I had to adjust my fly. You pig. <laughs> Disgust me. She looked at me and smiled and said, you have plans for the night? I said, hopefully, if things go well, I'll be with you tonight. So we journeyed to her house. One, this, you know what he sounds like? A 12-year-old who's <laughs> no, never like, even like, made out with a girl. Never made out with a girl. <laughs> you ever me, oh, yeah. yeah. I met this girl. Babes. We went to a club. It was pumping. pumping. We went to a hotel. She, she said, said, you're, you're king. the king. And I'm, I said, you're queen. the queen, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> we journeyed to her house. One thing led to another. I keyed the door, so we called hit the floor. I looked up, and it was her mother. I didn't know what to say. I was hanging by a string. Mm. She said, hey, you two. I was once like you. I, and I like to do the wild thing. <laughs> oh, definitely. Gross. Mom. Wine. Mom. Yeah. Well, this is definitely the teenager going, yeah. And then I was doing it with this girl. And then her mom. And, and then her mom came in. But then her mom was like, I like sex too. It was that scene, <laughs> it's that scene in Step Brothers. Have you seen that? Uh, you know, yes. and in the tree house and they're trying to impress each other. Yeah. And I was like, you ever done it so much you have to put your dick in the freezer? <laughs> I took her to a limousine, still parked outside. Yeah. I tipped the chauffeur when it was over and gave her my own ride. Man, so I took her to a limousine, still parked outside. I tipped the chauffeur when it was over and yeah. gave her my own ride. So they've had sex in the car. Yeah. He tipped the chauffeur yeah. and then gave her his car. No, he, he gave her his own ride, if you know what I mean. Oh, no, but he's saying I tipped the chauffeur when it was over yeah. and I gave her my own. So yeah. it, well, he's just telling the story out of sequence. Oh, right. <laughs> like Memento. <laughs> yeah. He gave her his own ride and then he tipped the chauffeur once it was over, technically. It, I couldn't get her off my jack. Uh -huh. She was like static, cling. But that's what happens when bodies start slapping from doing the wild thing. Is it? No, no. It's not. Wild thing. Doing a little show at the local discotheque. This fine young chick was on my jack. What is your jack? <laughs> he's, he's, he's nuts. He's, he's on my jack. So I said, what the heck? <laughs> Born romantic. <laughs> She want to come on stage and do her little dance. So I said, chill for now, but maybe later you'll get your chance. So when the show was finished, I took her around the way. And what do you know? She was good to go without a word to say. Mm. She was all alone and she said, Tone, let me tell you one thing. I well, need $50 to make you holler. I get paid to do the whole thing. <laughs> okay. So well, both songs. He's terrible at identifying potential romantic partners. Well, he seems to just try to hook up with anybody who shows any attention to him at all he's just got to be more picky <laughs> i gotta be honest i'd be charging time like a lot more than 50 bucks. well 50 bucks was a lot more back then though. yeah i suppose inflation yeah. all right bonus content out of the way <laughs> but definite winner definite winner for bringing tone and by the way they are the exact same song you're absolutely exactly. right exactly the same song sound the same pretty much same content yeah Tone Loke is like Tom Hanks in Big. He's actually just an eight-year-old who found himself in an adult's body. He's like, what am I going to do? I've got to earn money. I'm an adult. I'm just going to release rap songs. I'll just talk about girls. Everything I know about girls. <laughs>